I'm reading uh, from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. And it's actually the NIV version, I don't know what that is, that's the right one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, in the book of Romans up till now, Paul has established we are completely sinful. We're without hope in ourselves and Jesus has done something that we could not do. He's forgiven us our sins and he's given us his righteousness, his right standing with God. And this forgiveness and righteousness is received totally by faith, by believing that it is so and not by anything we've done. And now Paul makes this incredible statement. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified. That means this. There is nothing that God looks at you and says, I'm a bit disappointed. There's nothing there like that. There's nothing out of line. There's no, look, I'm going to give you a chance here, but you're going to need to improve a bit. There's not that. That's not justified. Justified means completely received right standing before God. The same right standing that Jesus, his son, had. And how do we get all that? Which says we have been justified through faith. Jesus did it. And since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. There's no animosity, there's no war, there's no doubts or fears that have to come about what does God think of you. And this peace with God is not a subjective feeling, although sometimes it does have feelings. It is a fact. We have peace with God. That is the fact. We, later on in the chapter, he's going to say, we've been reconciled to God. You understand reconciled, a, a relationship that's broken up, has been brought back together in perfection, and it's a pure relationship. And so we live in that reconciled relationship. We haven't just been saved in the past. We now have a perfect, fully reconciled relationship with the Father, and all of this has come through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was God's plan through Jesus' death and resurrection. And all of this is from God. All of this is a gift. And the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Yep. Colin Buchanan says, The greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. The greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. Even death can't take it away, he says. A relationship with God... Eternity with God is a free gift of greater value than anything else we can have in this life. It is uh, what Jesus called the pearl of great price, where he found the pearl and he sold everything he had for that pearl. There was a field and he found treasure in that field and he sold everything he had and he bought that field. 
What is it? It is a relationship, a peace relationship with God. That's what we have. An unshakable assurance in which we now stand. We stand firm in this relationship. It is our status, an unshakable assurance. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's come to us through Jesus Christ. There's restating what we say so often and it is so valuable. And so we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Hope looks forward. It is certain and sure in the glory of God. Now, only a few verses back, he said, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but by this justification, we've been restored to the glory of God. And we have, if if all of God, if God in all his holiness were to shine all of his perfect holiness at us, we could stand in that because we have that perfect holiness through Jesus Christ. We've been restored into it. Pretty good, isn't it? Mm. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Even better. Um, that was a joke. No one laughed. Uh, but Paul very often follows this incredible righteousness with suffering. Not only so, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. So we, we, we glory in our sufferings. We boast in our sufferings. And I haven't heard too many people sometimes. I mean, that's not saying that person who comes to you and whinges and whines and says, woe is me. It's so bad. You know, that's, that's not what it is. But it's true, isn't it, that suffering produces perseverance. Yep. The strain of suffering pushes us in a very simple way if you do some training uh, you, um, you you work your muscle yeah and and that muscle builds up strength Is that true yep, yep. Uh, if we train to run we build the muscles and that causes us to be able to run further and to run faster someone in our household not mentioning names talked about the park run the other day and said they got their PB that's because they're running often yeah? They're running often? They get. It wasn't me. It wasn't Joe. Okay, it wasn't Heather either. Okay. Um, and you know, you can't build a muscle without hardship. It doesn't work like that. True? I sat and watched the Olympics, and I never got better at a single event that I watched. Yeah? Yep, I, I exercised my muscles. Just sat there, yeah. But quite simply, suffering produces perseverance. Yep. If you have no suffering, no pushing, you have no perseverance. And perseverance produces character. It causes a change in us, a change to our nature, a change to our being, a change to our personality. We know that's true, don't we? Yeah. And when you don't go through times of suffering, times of hardship, or sorry, sorry, when we do, we go through times of suffering, hardship, discipline, we grow in character. And character produces hope. When we go through hardship, we come out stronger, we come out better for it. It proves our faith. Now, I'm not just talking about training here for a, a run. 
But when we go through hardships in life, we actually, our faith is shown to be true. God's promises are proved to be true. And it confirms and strengthens our hope of glory. Is that right? Isn't it good to find out that God's promises are true? And when do we find out through them that they're true? Through hardship, through suffering. When everything's going cruisy, we don't rely on the promises of God. I remember soon after, uh, I, was, I was only a young Christian, but I remember another, in a youth group, and another young person became a Christian, and then a relative of theirs died. And I thought, gee, I hope, hope they don't fall away from the faith because of this, you know, they've just become a Christian. And that's the opposite to what happened. They, become stronger, they became stronger in their faith. I was worried they'd lose their faith, but that's not how it is. You see, God carries them through. He proves his promises are reliable. He upholds the person. He remains faithful to that person. He brings perseverance and character and hope. Makes sense, doesn't it? And I'll come back to this point in a while because uh, it's really important for us. But hope does not put us to shame or does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The Holy Spirit's been poured out into our hearts. He's been given to us. You know, we say, we've received the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? God himself lives in you. That's no small thing, isn't it? The Holy Spirit lives in you. And our hope's not put to shame or disappointed. We won't let be let down because in our time of suffering, the Holy Spirit is right there with us. He is in us, he is working, he's guiding, he's teaching, he's sustaining, he's upholding, he's comforting, he's protecting, he's defending, he's loving, he's treasuring us. He's doing all of that in us in our time of hardship, right there within us. Not, he doesn't run away, understand? He is right there with us. So, can you hear what he's saying there? Hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given us, who's right there when? When we're suffering. But he's not just producing suffering, he's producing perseverance and character and hope. He's doing all that in us. It's awesome what he's doing. It's, it's as though that those times of suffering, which in one sense we despise so much, are supercharged moments of growth for the Christian life. Very often in the New Testament, and I'm just going to, I'm going to just mention a few passages, it speaks of going from righteousness and salvation to suffering. The, the strange thing is that suffering is not spoken about as being negative. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah? When you think about suffering, yay! Woohoo! Huh? And if you were to read that passage again that I just read to you, you would have to come out the end and say, suffering must be good because of what it produces. Is that right? You have to. That's the flow of it. You can't read through that passage and end up with the hope in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and go, well, that's not so good, is it? That's really good, which means that the hope before it is good, which means the character before it's good, which means the perseverance, which means the character, which the suffering, which starts it all off, is good. It strengthens us. I remember an analogy from um, Port Lincoln where we used to live. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work so well now because they have steel boats, but the tuna boats used to be made of wood. And the, the wooden boats 
are constantly getting the waves against them. Yep. And and because you can't really seal a wooden boat completely, what what happens is the, the wood is kind of constantly damp and it swells. And when it swells, it seals. But then when they built the marina, they'd bring boats in and the boats would be parked where there is no waves, in complete calm. And then they would be swelled to the waterline, but above that, they would start to, they'd start to open up gaps. And if you took that boat out to sea, it would sink. Do you understand the analogy? We need some waves to keep hitting us, because when, when it all stops, we actually sink. It's good for us. We long for comfort, we long for ease, but if we live in for that for a while, we're quickly overwhelmed and we can be easily sunk. Hebrews says, it is just picking a little bit from Hebrews 12, you can go and read this, endure hardships as God's discipline. Hear that? Endure hardships as God's discipline. God disciplines for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Discipline brings holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's the same thing, isn't it? It produces something awesome. Holiness, righteousness and peace. In 1 Peter, Peter says this, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, that you may be overjoyed when glory is revealed. So then, this is chapter 4, Those who suffer according to God's will, I'll just read that bit again because that might be contrary to what some people think. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. It's a strong verse, isn't it? People say it's not God's will for you to suffer. People lie. Paul says, In chapter 8 of Romans, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now all of this is is not me trying to give you a hard time and say, suffer. It's not that at all. It's just saying that in God's plan and in God's ways, that this suffering produces something in us which is of incredible value. Can you hear that? It's good. Not only are sufferings... I mean, we often say sufferings are expected. Uh, They're they're not surprising. Difficulties and troubles are promised. But that's not what it's saying. This is saying they're good and healthy for the children of God. Not easy. Doesn't say that. Productive and helpful. And the smooth life, the life of ease, which seems safe, is actually a place... Because the... The aim of that smooth life is that you build this little fortress around you. It might just look like a house. And and you have everything stored in the right place and in the right way that basically you're in control. And you are never in control. It's a, it's a, it's a building of a castle which is a lie. As um, who, who watches The Princess Bride? What does Wesley say in that? No. Life is suffering. Anyone who tells you any different is trying to sell you something. Yeah? Yeah? 
Well, there's plenty of people trying to sell us a lie. You can dodge suffering, whereas in the New Testament we're told it's good. It's like training. Now, the Holy Spirit brings, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Jody's been saying this for some time. So the fruit of the Spirit, just we take one thing, patience. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. This works for any of them. But how do you learn patience? By being put in a situation which is hard. How does the Holy Spirit teach patience? Yeah. Yeah. How does the Holy Spirit teach joy? Can you see what I'm saying? How does he teach self-control? When you want to fly off the handle, that's when you learn self-control. Not when everything's smooth, sitting in the chair watching the Olympics. Okay? How do you learn faithfulness? In temptations. Yeah? Goodness. You learn goodness when you want to be selfish. Can you see all of these things are contested? And the, the training of the suffering is actually what the Holy Spirit does something wonderful in us and produces good things from hardships. Saves us from an empty life. Because when we face difficulties, we push to rely on God. We dig into Him, don't we? And not ourselves. And we end up with a deeper faith, which is a better place. You end up in a better place. Even, I mean, some hardships in life are really, really hard, aren't they? Like grief and loss. But somehow in them, and even through them, God teaches us and drives us towards a resurrection hope. Doesn't he? Well, we know our only hope is in Christ. And when you get sick and old, which some of us here are, yeah, I'll point to you if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> he, gives, he takes away our hope, our idolatry of the body, and says... There's a new body coming for you. Look there. And Sandy reminds of his promises. And when we suffer from loneliness, he comes to us in the Holy Spirit and reminds us that it's his presence with us that counts. Understand? It's him. I actually, this is going to sound strange, but I'm going to read one of them. I give thanks for the gift of unpopularity that God's given me. God's made me unpopular with some people. It's really true. Um, I give thanks because it has caused a perseverance and a character change in me which has caused me to see that all my identity is in him and never from myself. That's really important. Really hard. But really important. I remember um, an, an old fella who's uh, dead now, but he was. he said that one time when he was really sick and in a lot of, lot of pain, he said, pain is sanctifying. And that sounds like a really weird... That means pain makes you holy. That's what uh, Hebrews said, actually. Brings a holiness. It doesn't make real sense because pain brings you pain. That's what I hear. True? Pain is sore. And, and I thought about it, and I thought, there's, there's, I, I, I thought about it for a lot of years. I had to be put in a situation where, which I'll say in a minute, but... Some pain makes you angry. You hit your finger with a hammer, right? And what comes out of your mouth? Yep. Okay. Some pain, though, you, you really want to push through. Codrill, you can soldier on, right? Today's sermon is brought to you by Codrill. Um, uh, we're not allowed to anymore. When you've got a cold, you've got to stay home. 
and isolated, but that's okay. But, you know, we want to push through, and I want to show you. And that's what I always thought, because you watch movies, and Bruce Willis has been shot eight times. He strains him, he gets himself up, and he fights the bad guy and finishes him off, right? And I always thought that would be, that would be uh, the case until I broke my back. And I had a great responsibility to do, and I just thought, I will push through. And you know what? You can't push through when you can't sit up. You can't do anything. You just have to lay there and do what? Pray and think about God's provision and think about his love. And he does something for you. He actually makes you holy. He sanctifies us. He purifies us when we're doing what? Nothing. We're receiving his gift for us. We call it a gift. It's a gift when God does something wonderful in this, isn't it? That, that's naming a whole lot of different sufferings and hardships. You might, you might name, name other ones there, but I'd encourage you to think through what is God doing and what can God do through this? And how can I submit to his doing rather than fighting it, rather than shouting that word of anger? Through them all, through all of these things, God is producing perseverance, character and hope. And through all these things, we see the Holy Spirit at work in us. Now, the Western world particularly, as I often say, holds out a promise of peace, money, possessions, bring control over your life, you'll have safety and contentment, you can sit back in your deck chair with a pina colada and a little umbrella in it, and you can relax and everything is well. It's a vain promise. It actually destroys hope. Yeah? It brings misery and emptiness because God knows what's best for us. He's justified us. He's made us righteous through Jesus Christ. He's given us peace with him and he sends us sufferings which grow us and they multiply peace and blessings and joy because in the hands of the wonderful Holy Spirit we've given life. He's given life to us. So when we suffer according to the will of God we can boast in that suffering. That's putting two Bible verses together. That means we get a T-shirt that says, so happy I'm suffering. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that. I think it means this. I think we are at a place where we are saying, we're not disillusioned when we're suffering. We're not disappointed. We're not saying, how could a good God do that? We expect these things from the hand of God and we expect his action by the Holy Spirit to grow us in those even when they're not pleasant because God's promised the Holy Spirit to work in us and we are in all of this participating in the sufferings of Christ Jesus who suffered ultimately on the cross and through his ultimate suffering he brought an ultimate Forgiveness and righteousness and goodness to humanity, didn't he? And 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 so we we kind of we don't follow a God where we go, He's like that, but it won't work out like that for us. Jesus suffered, but that's all good, it's all good now. We join him, we participate in his sufferings as we participate in his glory. We put our faith in him and he grows our faith and it's all good. It's good. I'm gonna pray.
Father, I pray that you would help us to quite simply accept this message. That we would be simple people with a simple faith under your promises. That all of our hope would be in you and in what you're doing in us. That our joy and our peace would all be in you. And Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would build in us love and joy and peace and patience kindness, goodness, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and by asking that Father we're actually asking that you would put us in situations that would cause those things to be contested cause them to grow in us we pray that you would grow us in our faith, in our reliance on you that you would be all in all for us Father, that we would just look to you and love you and live lives worthy of the calling you've given us through Jesus, your son. And I pray this in his name. Amen.